right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speak to the Beak. I am Tim the Ferds, and we got a jam-packed one for you today. We're doing the AFC North Divisional Preview, so excited for that. And we got a Jamal Adams contract to talk about, so lots going on on today's podcast. I'm out here flying solo. It is August 18th on the recording so by the time you hear this, 19th or later, you know, beautiful thing about podcasts, can listen to it whenever you want. And um, that's kind of what we got going on today. So if you've missed previous podcasts, we've already done the entire NFC, and I just started the AFC last week with the AFC West. Like I said, today's the AFC North. So we're really looking at two more divisions after today. So football is getting super, super close. We had some preseason games last week. Um, which I'm not going to break down because it's the preseason and I don't have that kind of time. Uh, but there were some notable things out there that when we get to those teams for our division previews, we can bring that up. But uh, most importantly, like I said, AFC North today. So a few things I need you to do before we start today's show here. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, share it with a friend, whatever, you know. Same thing if you're a Spotify or Apple listener. Rate and review the podcast, follow the feed, subscribe to the feed, whatever terminology you want to use. As long as we do it, we're in good shape there. Follow at Beak Brands on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All of our content is posted there. Uh, and if you are a person that needs the content immediately, obviously Twitter and Facebook auto-generate a post. So, like, you're already out here. And... Obviously, check out the website. Written content is up there, as well as the podcast. So, look, you want to check out our 32 and 32 series. Every day, we've been posting an NFL team with predictions for this year, recap of last year, off-season moves, fantasy nuggets, tons of stuff out there for you guys to check in on. And we are, our, I want to say, like 60% of the way done, give or take, with those. So definitely check those out if you have not already. And like I said, the podcast is also posted there. Um, but without further ado, let's hop right into this. Jamal Adams contract. We're going to start with that, and then we'll go to the AFC North. So this man gets four years, $70 million. Luckily for the Seahawks, it's only $38 million guaranteed, um, making him the highest paid safety in the league. So a few things we get to talk about here. Number one is how the Seahawks grossly lost this trade with the Jets. When the Jets somehow got two first-round picks for this guy, I was just like, wow, good for them. That's crazy. You were able to get two first-round picks for a position on the field that's not that important and a guy who's grossly overrated, like that is insanity. Then it gets even better for the Jets because they were able to pick up an offensive lineman who they desperately needed with one of those picks. Now, they'd have to trade up, but not the point. And now Seattle is on the hook paying this guy the largest safety contract in the NFL. He's not even a top five guy at his own position. So how he was able to finesse the Seahawks into giving him that much money is insanity. Um, but I know I know what you mean. You know, you give up two first round picks. You don't really have a choice other than to sign this guy. Uh, with, they should have had a deal in place right from the beginning. This is the same thing. You know, the Rams did with Jalen Ramsey. They had a you know. Uh, a contract in place when they made the trade. This is, if you listen to me and Keith for baseball, what really made me mad about the Francisco Lindor thing with the Mets. Like, you traded for this guy. 
didn't sign him right away. You waited, and now you have to pay him way more than what he's worth. And that's exactly what happened to the Seahawks with Jamal Adams. They waited and waited and waited, and now look at him. Clown show. This guy is not worth the money they gave him. And uh, let's look at some guys that, you know, I'd rather have on my team at safety than Jamal Adams. So this is just straight off pro football focus. I've been saying Justin Simmons is the best safety in the league for like two years. Um, he's rated number one and would rather have him. Harrison Smith would ra- hands down rather have him. John Johnson, super underrated, would rather have him. Minka Fitzpatrick would rather have him. Derwin James, assuming he's healthy, would easily rather have him. Jesse Bates, probably the most underrated safety in the entire league. Um, This is straight off Pro Football Focus website right here. Bates recorded the highest overall PFF grade among safeties last season. He was one of two players with a PFF coverage grade above 90. He had 12 pass breakups, three interceptions, and he plays for a terrible team. All right, let's keep that in mind. We're going to talk about the Bengals in just a second, but would rather have Jesse Bates. <coughs> Excuse me. Tyron Matthew would rather have Tyron Matthew. That's not even close. So that's like six or seven guys right there that I'd rather have than Jamal Adams. And you're probably like, oh, well, he gets a lot of sacks and he generates pressure and he's basically a linebacker. Like, that's great. I need my safeties to be able to cover. It's 2021. If you're a box safety, you're terrible. All right, to me. I need both of my safeties to be able to cover. And he just can't cover anybody, right? I mean, what was that, week two or three? Seattle played New England, and Julian Edelman made him look like a schoolboy. Julian Edelman's out of the league right now, just retired or whatever he did, injury designation waived. Like, you can't even guard that guy. Washed up Julian Edelman with no quarterback. So, I mean, he's a liability in pass coverage. I don't care how good he is in run support. It's just not worth it. I can pay somebody like Reggie Ragland to make 100 tackles for a lot cheaper than what you're paying Jamal Adams. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, But there is some ripple effects here, not only with the Seahawks, but with the rest of the league. So let's start with Seattle. They had two guys holding out, basically, Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown left tackle. He is old. Uh, They got him a few years ago from the Texans when Bill O'Brien was just trading good players for nothing. Dwayne Brown wants a new contract. Seattle has not given him one yet. And if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm just like, what the hell are we doing? I've been getting sacked a ton my whole career. Now, part of it is his fault because he holds the ball too long. But I've been getting sacked a ton my entire career. You go out, get Gabe Jackson, like, woohoo, finally. And now instead of paying my left tackle, we're going to pay a safety that can't cover anybody? It just doesn't make any sense. To me, like, I don't know. I just don't understand why you're paying Jamal Adams this amount of money and you're not throwing some cash at Dwayne Brown, who's honestly more important to your team's success than Jamal Adams is. So that's number one. Number two, outside the NFL, and this is unfortunate, uh, Tyron Matthew already chirping on Twitter that the disrespect is noted. So I guess the Chiefs were not offering him that kind of contract that Jamal Adams just got. Um... It's unfortunate for the Chiefs because what the Seahawks did was basically just screw the Chiefs over because there's not a chance they're about to give Tyron Matthew $17.5-plus dollars. Is he worth it? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's, like, incredibly good. He could play coverage. He could play over the top. He plays in the box. He's the leader on defense. Basically, without him, there's not a chance the Chiefs even get to the Super Bowl. Like, we need Tyron Matthew. Um, with that being said... 
he is much older than Jamal Adams, and his best days of being a pure athlete are behind him. So for the Chiefs to give him that amount of money, that would just not be logical to do that. So I, I think the Seahawks really indirectly uh, did the Chiefs dirty there, giving Jamal Adams that kind of money, even though he's terrible. So, I mean, I know this is not the AFC East podcast, uh, but just want to shout out Joe Douglas and Jets fans everywhere. You finally did something right. So good for you. But, hey, let's go to the AFC North. So, like I said before, we did all the NFC already. We did the AFC West. And now we're here, AFC North. We're going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals. Shout out Joey Michelini. One of my guys we play football with. Super nice guy, big Bengals fan, feel terrible for him. It must be a tough life. Uh, so what happened last year? Basically, I don't need to give a huge recap. They went 4-11-1. Burrow got hurt. The season was over immediately after. Um, they basically told Joe Mixon to sit it out. I mean, he probably could have came back weeks earlier. They were like, it's not worth it. We're awful. Just, you know, it is what it is. They got rid of Carlos Dunlap last season. They traded him to Seattle. Weird move. I mean, he wanted out of there, though. I could understand those guys that have been there for a long time. You know, they're like, all right, what are we doing? Get me out of here. Uh, so let's talk about their offseason real quick. And their offseason really was like a in with the new, out with the old type of thing. So obviously they drafted Jamar Chase with their first round pick. We're going to talk about that in a minute because I hate it. Uh, Riley Reef, offensive lineman, picked him up from Minnesota. Awuzie, Hilton, and Eli Apple all come in to play DB for the Bengals. They need to help back there in the worst way. Um, guys, they lost William Jackson, super underrated corner, went to Washington. Uh, A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, and Carl Lawson all jump ship slash were booted out of town, and those were three guys that have been there forever. Uh, and Giovanni Bernard went over to Tampa to go win another ring, uh, to go win his first ring with Tom Brady. So let's talk about Jamar Chase real quick. Not saying he's not good, because he is. He was the best receiver in the draft. Like, I get that. Um, but you're out here. Joe Burrow just had his knee basically explode, right? ACL, MCL, meniscus, and he, like, damaged his PCL or something like that. Like, this man's knee literally exploded because you couldn't block. He was, like, top eight, I believe, in quarterback sacks last year. And he didn't even play half the season. He got hurt against Washington. And we know the first hit he really took was against Philadelphia. I forgot who. It might have been Sandejo. I forgot who they had. Absolutely annihilated him. So, I mean, now Joe Burrow was like, we need you, We need Jamar Chase. We need Jamar Chase. I have to tell him, like, listen, for your own good, we just can't do that. We're going to have to take Penny Sewell, which they didn't do. And, like, I was watching the draft. And I was texting him, like, I guarantee you this would be Penny Sewell. Hey, they didn't do it. And then the next pick was not Penny Sewell. And the next pick after that was still not Penny Sewell. I'm like, what is happening? Um, I'm a big, you need to have offensive lineman kind of guy. And they just didn't do that. And their offensive line still does not impress me, which is going to bring me to their storyline here, which is Joe Burrow's leg and his protection. Is their protection going to be better? It better be. Because it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. That You could have Michael Vick in his prime back there, the guy who gets sat 40 times. Um, they have basically no one who could block. And there's already reports out, Bengals training camp, Burrow does not look that comfortable on his knee, which is understandable. I mean, the guy is literally out here relearning how to walk, more or less. Um, obviously, for me, not even close to a pro athlete. I had my left knee reconstructed. 
took me a long time to trust my knee, and I don't have to go play in the NFL. So I can only imagine how J Joe Burrow is doing out here when guys get around his knee. It's it's probably not good for him, mentally or physically. Like, it's a, it's a both problem. He doesn't trust his knee physically on the field, and even when he starts to do that, mentally it's going to be in the back of his head like, what if someone hits me low again, you know? So I think all of that is their storyline, where it's like, they're going to compare Jamar Chase to Penny Sewell basically for the rest of their careers. Every time Sewell pancakes somebody or, you know, makes a good play on the offensive line, they're going to be like, oh, Joe Burrow could have had this guy or the Bengals could have had this guy. Um, and I have a feeling that we're going down like the Carson Palmer route here with Joe Burrow, where it's like the Bengals had a really good offense built around Carson Palmer, right? They had Cedric Benson at running back. They had... Chad Johnson, they had TJ Hushmanzada, like they had dudes who could play. Palmer ended up getting really banged up because they couldn't really protect him up front. Remember, they had that playoff game uh, against the Jets, I think. He got carted off the field basically immediately. Um, not a good look. And Burrow's heading down that same path because they their skill position players are sick. Joe Mixon's awesome. Obviously, you got Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, really underrated. Tyler Boyd, great slot guy. They have dudes who can get open and make plays, but they just can't block at all. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to work out, really, for Joe Burrow and friends there. Um, my game of the year for the Jaguars, assuming Joe Burrow plays in this game, week four, oh, I said uh, for the Jaguars. For the Bengals is against the Jaguars. Um, so assuming Joe Burrow plays in this game, they get to see Joe Burrow square off against Trevor Lawrence. Very, very excited for that. Because uh, these are two guys that are going to get killed this year. Like, we saw that preseason game last week. Trevor Lawrence got sacked, like, the first play from scrimmage. So, there is not a chance that both of these guys make it to the full season, in my opinion. Uh, so, hopefully, they both play week four against one another. Two great young quarterbacks. And when you really look at the AFC as a whole, young quarterbacks out here everywhere. Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. Tua, if he decides not to be terrible. Zach Wilson. Like, you got dudes all over the place. Deshaun Watson, if, you know, he doesn't go to prison or whatever is happening and you know, that situation there. Um, and a fantasy player I really like for the Bengals uh, is not the one, not the flashy guy. I'm a big Tyler Boyd person in PPR leagues. He's going as wide receiver 33. He finished as wide receiver 29 last year. He's basically a top 30 guy every single year. The reason I like him is because you can get him later than Burrow and T. Higgins. Uh, he doesn't have the upside those guys do. But when Joe Burrow gets hurt again, because it's going to happen, he's going to get killed, um, and they bring the backup quarterback in, what do teams do when they bring the backup quarterback in? They play safe. They try to run the ball. They do short little passes. And that's Tyler Boyd's thing. Control the middle of the field, short passes. He's going to get the volume still. Because if Joe Burrow is to get hurt or would get hurt, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins would crater in value. And Tyler Boyd would stay about, Tyler Boyd will stay about the same. And that's the reason I really like him as my fantasy player on the Bengals at his current ADP. Oh, oh, here we go. Back to Jamal Adams here real quick. Chiefs GM says KC would likely re-sign safety, but cap concerns make it difficult. So they're talking about Tyron Matthews. That's literally what I just said, actually. I wish that was 10 minutes earlier. The Chiefs know they're screwed because there's no way they can give Matthew that kind of money. So that's nice. I'm glad we're doing that. Um, anyway, back to the Bengals. Expectation... I have them missing the playoffs again. I think they're going to get up to a really, really slow start. I don't know if Burrow's going to start the season 
Uh, and if he does, um, they're going to be super conservative with him, I think. Um, and the beginning of their schedule, let me pull that up real quick. They have some tough defenses. Like Minnesota's a good defense, in theory. Chicago's a really good defense. Pittsburgh should be a good defense. Then you got Jacksonville, who's soft. But then you got Baltimore, week seven. Like, he might get beat up the beginning of the year. Uh, he's not going to trust his knee. So I have them pegged for like five or six wins. I think Zach Taylor is going to get fired and they're going to hire Joe Brady and just pick up LSU and bring it somewhere else, which would be to Cincinnati. So heard it here first, Joe Brady to Cincinnati after the season. Uh, let's move on to the next team in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So what happened last year? They started off rattling off wins. They were the last undefeated team in the league, double-digit wins. Uh, and then they collapsed in pretty epic fashion. They played the Browns in the first round of the playoffs, and the game was basically over in five minutes. Like, fumbling snaps, pick sixes, fumble returns for touchdowns. It was like, is this really the Pittsburgh Steelers? It was, like, very strange. Um, and then they did not have a good offseason on top of that. So, guys, they added Trey Turner is solid. Najee Harris, really good running back, Alabama. I have Dwayne Haskins listed on here as an ad only because they need someone who can play behind Big Ben. And I know Haskins is terrible, but, like, as bad as he is, he is better than what the Steelers have had in the past. Like, Landry Jones, right? Terrible. I don't even know his name. Mason Rudolph has been terrible. They had Duck Hodges out here. So, like, even if Dwayne Haskins is awful, which I anticipate he will be, he's better than what they've had. Um, but guys they lost, Bud Dupree's gone. James Conner's gone. Villanueva's gone. Pouncey is gone. Matt Filer is gone. Like, they lost a lot of guys that have played in meaningful games for them over, you know, the past whatever, how many seasons. I mean, Villanueva and Pouncey have been there for an eternity, it seems like. So, very, very um, weird offseason they had. And when you look at it, my storyline for them is, is Big Ben cooked. Like, is his elbow shot? Normally with guys, they're better their second year back from surgery than their first year. Like, it takes them time to get going. Uh, but, I mean, last year, this guy literally could not throw a ball like 10 yards downfield. It was, like, sad. So, I mean, if he can't throw it all, the season's over. Uh, but my other problem with them is they didn't bring anyone in on the offensive line that I feel is, like, a replacement level or upgrade to what they just had. And they couldn't block last year. And they lost a lot of guys. So, <laughs> I'm just assuming it's going to be bad again this year but can it actually get worse i don't know if that's possible that's how bad they were um and basically their season is going to come down to that and the other thing i'm looking out for is i don't think their defense is as good as people think it is um and for example like they collapsed last year after bud dupree got hurt you can just shift uh shift your protection to tj watt's side which is still not going to help you uh, but like in a major way, but it'll help you a little bit. They don't really have anybody else that's going to make plays like that. Now, Devin Bush will be back. You know, he got hurt, and that really hurt their defense last year. But like I said, are you going to go full throttle with him right off the bat? You know, I don't know. I, just, I don't know if the Steelers' defense is as good as it is on paper. 
I'm sure they'll come out hot in the beginning, but like losing those guys last year really did them in. And I think we're going to see a repeat of that this year because they're not a deep team. One or two guys get banged up like it's over. I mean, Chase Claypool already got hurt in practice the other day. They said he's going to be fine. But like if he were to go down, that's basically the only spot they have depth at is like receiver and tight end because you got Pat Fryermuth, Eric Ebron, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju, James Washington. Like you got you got guys there. But at basically any other position, they don't have anybody. Like who's the who's the backup to Najee Harris if he were to get hurt? Like Anthony McFarland? Jalen Samuel, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't trust any of those guys. Um, my game of the year, you can pick one against Baltimore. I know on every podcast I say I hate divisional matchups, and I do. I can't stand them. They're the worst, especially when you put them on primetime TV. But I really like watching Baltimore and Pittsburgh play because you really get to see two teams kick the living crap out of each other. It's old school football. I really like that. So pick a game against Baltimore that's the game I'm picking for the Steelers game of the year uh fantasy player I really like on their team I did not do the 32 and 32 for them Tom did it um I'm gonna pick Deontay Johnson currently going as wide receiver 26 this man is going to see a million targets sign me up I don't care if he drops half of them because you know they they cannot block which means everything's going to be short near the line of scrimmage and that's Deontay Johnson time, baby. And now, like I said, he literally might drop half of them. Like, he was in the league leader in drops last year. He cannot catch. Um, but he knows how to get open, which means we're going to keep throwing him the ball. So give me Deontay Johnson at his current price point. Uh, my expectations for the Steelers, I had them missing the playoffs this year and pretty underwhelming. Like I stated before, I don't think their defense is as good as people think it is, and they still can't block. I had them pegs for six or seven wins. Um, I don't know. I feel like it could get ugly for them, especially if they run Big Ben out of town after this. They don't have a, like a valid backup option. So I don't know. It's just not looking good for Pittsburgh, in my opinion. Uh, here we go. Two teams left to go. Let's go to the Cleveland Browns next. Last year, what happened? They made the playoffs. Baker broke out. We found out Kevin Stefanski can coach. You know, they played the Chiefs after they beat the Steelers, which I just mentioned. Uh, and the game, basically, it felt like, you know, it looked like it was close, but it didn't feel close. Like, as a Chiefs fan, until Mahomes got injured and then Henny threw that pick, the, the game didn't feel close at all. Like, people thought it was close. Like, it just really wasn't. Um, the Chiefs just kind of stacked the box and said, yeah, you're going to beat us throwing the ball, not running it, and that's, that, that's not going to happen. So, let's talk about their offseason. Who'd they bring in? They really helped their secondary. John Johnson, one of the best safeties in the league, they picked him up. Troy Hill, really underrated DB, they picked him up. They drafted Greg Newsom And uh, Jadavian Clowney, more of a name than actual productive player, but on their defensive line with Miles Garrett and friends, he should be at least serviceable for them. So pretty good pickup. They didn't really lose anybody other than Sheldon Richardson, who they brought Clowney in to replace. Richardson is better, but not the point. The reason I bring up those three defensive backs their secondary was putrid last year. Um, you could just throw on them all day, basically. Uh, and that's not going to happen anymore As you know, for teams that don't have an above-average passing attack. I think Johnson, Hill, they still have Denzel Ward back there. Grant Delpit will be back. You know, He basically missed all last year with an injury. So 
they'll have a new revamped secondary. So they have some dudes back there, uh, which they really needed. Storyline for the Cleveland Browns. Is this the year we can finally say the Browns can build a consistent winner? You know, like, basically, if you're my age, I'm 26, the Browns have basically been the traveling circus forever. Like, they've never been good. They had that one, like, weird year with, like, Derek Anderson, I feel like, and Braylon Edwards where they were good. Um, And then last year, other than that, they've been a laughing stock. I think this year is important for them because they need to build on what they did last year. You know, if they go back to having a terrible year, I think it's like, oh, it's just the same old Browns, you know? Like, last year was just a fluke. There was no fans, COVID, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if, But if it goes the other way and they do build a consistent winner, you know, they win again this year, make the playoffs, win another playoff game, it's like, all right, we're in on this. Safanski knows what he's doing. We have a quarterback who's average to above average, depending on the game. We got two sweet running backs. We got skill players, like... They have a pretty good thing going on there if they can win some games this year. And when you look at the beginning of their schedule, they have a bunch of winnable games, right? You play Kansas City week one, you're going to lose. But then you play Houston, who might not have Deshaun Watson. You have Chicago, which might be Justin Fields' first start. You got Minnesota, who's beatable. You got Arizona, who's beatable. You got Denver, who's beatable. You got Pittsburgh, who's beatable, right? So, I mean, right off the bat, you could win five, six games and start the season five and one or six and two or something like that and that that would be really good for Cleveland uh for them to get into the playoffs so let's, let's keep looking at their schedule my game of the year I'm actually going to pick week 10 against the Patriots why am I picking that game um if you know anything about football you know that every time a young quarterback plays the Patriots they show up the stats where it's like first or second year starters against a Bill Belichick coach defense and he literally, it's like unfair. He makes them look so unbelievably bad. Uh, and the reason I'm picking this game is because we're going to see a ripple effect with the Josh Allen deal. I think Lamar Jackson is next, and we're going to talk about him in just a minute. But Baker Mayfield is the guy that's next after him. And if he goes out there against the Patriots, and this is what, his fourth season, and he stinks to join up, it's just like, look, you're just not the guy. You know, you're just a game manager. If he goes out there against the Patriots and the Patriots are relatively healthy and he, like, lights them up or he plays well, it's like, all right, like, we can win with this guy. You're very, like, Kirk Cousins or Alex Smithy, where, like, the team needs to be good around you, but you got it done against Belichick. and Basically, that's a good barometer to check your quarterback. So Week 10 against the Patriots. You also get to see Mac Jones in that game. And to me, Mac Jones and Baker Mayfield are very similar in that they're not like great athletes. They're like good, solid quarterbacks, so to speak. Um, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to look as good as he did in the preseason game, like anticipating against a bunch of scrubs. We'll see if he does it against starting players. Um, but it'll be curious to see like where they are compared to one another in that game. Um, my fantasy player that I really like at his current ADP. Uh, listen, I don't like any person on the Browns except Nick Chubb, I, you know, where they're going right now. And Nick Chubb's going in the first round, like in the top six or seven picks. So basically, you might not even have a chance to draft this guy. I know, not great fantasy analysis, but I don't want Jarvis Landry. I don't want Odell Beckham. Where Kareem Hunt is going, there's not a chance I draft him. Like, do I want Donovan Peoples-Jones? Like, I mean, I guess. Uh, Like in a deep 14 or 16-man league, 
you know, in a 10 team league, I'm not drafting DPJ. So really, it's basically Nick Chubb or bust. Um, if you play with the defense, I mean, Browns defense should rack up some sacks. But, you know, Nick Chubb or bust there. Uh, my expectations for the Browns, I have them making the playoffs and matching up with the Bills in the first round, which could really be basically anyone's contest. Uh, Bills' run defense is bad. They're, they, well, okay. They were bad last year. I don't think they're going to be grossly improved. And if you're playing a team with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that could prove to be a problem. I have the Browns going like 10-7, and seven, maybe 11-6. and six. They should be up there for the division. Uh, obviously, I'm doing Baltimore last, so I think they're going to take the division. But I do think the Browns make the playoffs. Currently have them as the sixth seed, I believe. I do. I have Cleveland getting in as a sixth seed. So just throwing that out there. Um, last team for this division, Baltimore Ravens. So what happened last year? They made the playoffs again. They normally do that. They actually finished... I believe it was second on a tie break in the division, right? Let's double check that. Yeah, they finished second with a tiebreaker over Cleveland. They drew Tennessee um, once again in the first round, and that seems to be their kryptonite, but they actually got it done. Lamar Jackson showed up for a playoff game. That was insane. Uh, and then they got bodied by the Buffalo Bills, and I remember watching that game like, wow, this is pretty terrible. Um, it's pretty unfortunate that Lamar is going out here like this again after they won last week. What did they do this offseason? You know, the Ravens never really do anything crazy, but they brought in some guys who were solid. They lost some guys who were solid. They'll probably be fine. So who'd they bring in? Sammy Watkins. The reason I bring him up, great blocking receiver. He won't be catching any passes. He's just there to run block. Rashad Bateman, already injured, but he was going to control the middle of the field. I'm sure he'll be fine. If you play in a dynasty league, nice guy to target. Uh, and they brought in Kevin Zeitler to play offensive line. So that was good. Uh, who'd they lose? Matt Judon and and Yannick Ngakwe. That's not good for their pass rush like at all. Um, and obviously they traded Orlando Brown to the Chiefs for basically nothing. So once again, appreciate you. But Ronnie Stanley will be back. So, you know, he doesn't have to play left tackle anymore. Um, my storyline for the Ravens, like I kind of alluded to this earlier, are we paying Lamar Jackson? Because you're going to get to a point right? Because Josh Allen's contract is ridiculous. Mahomes' contract is ridiculous. You're going to pay your quarterback so much money that you're going to lose other parts of your team. Like I just brought it up before with that Bleacher Report with Tyron Matthew. The reason we can't pay him is because we have to pay Mahomes, right? So if you're the Ravens, you're going to have to start picking like, is it worth basically trading Lamar Jackson for these four or five other players that we could use that money on? And the reason I bring that up is because for me personally, I think the Ravens are screwed no matter what they do. Because if you give Lamar Jackson the same contract that Dak Prescott got or uh, Josh Allen got, you're screwed. Because you can't even win now with a team that's stacked. You're not going to win with a team. Like if you like picked up Lamar Jackson and just put him on the Cowboys, they'd score 45 points a game and they'd give up 60. You know what I mean? So I don't think you could do that. But... When you look at it, if you let this guy walk, you don't have anybody else. And you run a pretty unique offense where that you need a quarterback like Lamar Jackson to be able to run that offense. I mean, you look, their receivers suck. They're basically like the only old school team left in the, that, like, not zone running. Like, they're just power, power, power all day. Um, and now they do do zone reads with Lamar Jackson, but you know what I mean. Like, it's all, it's not the Sean McVay type thing. If you let him walk, 
you're also screwed because you don't have a quarterback like at all. And I don't know who you're going to get unless Philly like gives up on Jalen Hurts after this year and trades him to you. You know, I don't know who you're going to get to run that team. So basically you're stuck paying him, but now you're just trapped basically is what happened. You're trapped in like purgatory because now your team is going to be good enough where you'll make the playoffs every year probably, but you're not going to go deep. But you're also going to say we can't give up on this guy because the amount of money we just gave him. So Baltimore is in a really tough spot, in my opinion. If I was the GM, I don't know what I would do. Um, hopefully someone offers me a trade for him or something. I don't know. Or like see if there's a quarterback out there. I just, I just don't know what I would do. So God bless you, Baltimore Ravens fans. Um, let's talk about their game of the year. I'm going to go Week 17 against the Rams. Big matchup. It's going to have playoff seating implications on both sides of the bracket. A potential Super Bowl matchup if you think the Ravens can beat the Chiefs. Are you going to run Lamar Jackson at Aaron Donald? There's not a chance in hell I would do that. Um, and obviously we know the Rams play a lot of man-to-man, and the Ravens receivers do not succeed against that. Um, but it's easy to block up. So, I mean, that's going to be a good matchup right there. It's kind of like strength on strength. And we get to see Stafford in a playoff-like environment for the Rams also against the Ravens defense. So pretty excited for that. Uh, a fantasy player that I like at his current ADP for the Ravens. Uh, how about none of them? I don't want Lamar Jackson where he's going because I just don't believe in taking a quarterback that high. J.K. Dobbins is going way too high for me to trust him. Uh, I have him in my dynasty league. And I, it's so aggravating owning this guy. Like, could you just give him 20 carries a game? They just don't do it. He gets like 12 touches. It's ridiculous. Don't want him. Don't want Hollywood Brown. Don't want Rashad Bateman unless it's Dynasty. Don't want Mark Andrews where he's going high. But I guess if I was forced to pick someone, I would go with Gus Edwards. Currently going as running back 44. Um, he does nothing in the pass game, which sucks. But he's going to score, like, hella touchdowns. So, I mean, in a PPR league, he might be a little bit more devalued. He doesn't catch the ball. But you'll probably take, I mean, you're probably looking at, like, 800 yards rushing, give or take. And, you know, six to seven touchdowns. So, I like Gus Edwards where he's going. He's definitely going to be better than RB44, so sign me up there. What are my expectations for the Ravens? I actually have them as the number two team in the AFC. Um, I know people don't buy that for whatever reason. They're a really good regular season team. Like, I don't get the Ravens' hate in the regular season. Like, playoffs, I understand. But trying to prep for them, sometimes on a short week, or you, you know... Like, you just play another divisional opponent, now you got to play them. Like, you're, they're going to win a lot of regular season games. So, I have them going 12-5. and five. Uh, That would have them matched up in my bracket here with the Colts and or Dolphins. And the reason I say Colts and or Dolphins uh, is because I currently have that game coming down to a tiebreaker. <laughs> um, and I don't know the NFL tiebreakers down that deep. So, and they play each other head-to-head. But I, like I said on the uh, uh, previous podcast... I refuse to pick that game until I know if Carson Wentz is playing in it. So they will be playing mystery team in the first round, which they should beat. Um, but I just can't see them another team that can't. That's not going to get past the Chiefs because the Ravens are hell bent on blitzing and playing man coverage. And if you do that against Kansas City, you might as well not even show up. So that's kind of what I got for the AFC North. Hope you guys enjoyed. Like I said, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Hit us up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, check out the website, follow at Beak Brands on social media. Joey Mick, hope you liked it, buddy. 
I know I try to shout out some people that are fans of teams that are not in the New York area. So hopefully you get some Bengals chit-chat that, uh, you know, you get from a pal. So there you go. Next week, we're going to go do AFC South. The week before the season, we're doing AFC East. Like I said, we're about to wrap it up. Enjoy the preseason games this week. And obviously, uh, share the pod with a friend. So until next time, I'm out.